Hi, I'm Anna Rosa Parker. And I'm Daniel Lamb, and this is Artist Inclusive, the podcast for ambitious artists who want to find clarity, community, and creative success. Today we're talking to an amazing dancer performance artist from New York named Courtney Taylor Key. And this part of the show is like our kitchen conversation where we talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about, (laughs) which is actually a tie-in. Don't get me wrong. This is a tie-in to what Courtney brings to the table because she is one of those people who has relentlessly defined her career on her own terms, which is, which is really, really awesome, especially in such a niche world like dance. Yeah. I mean, she's just so gifted and all the way around. And yeah, she just shows up in the interview very casually herself. And it was a treat. I just want to get started. Let's just dive into the interview and then we can catch up after. Sounds good. Let's jump in there. Hi, there she is. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? Good. So nice to see you. You too. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us today on the Artist Inclusive Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We're we're super excited and we're glad that we were able to make this work today after some technical difficulties last time. But you know what? That's the beauty of the digital age. We can always just redo things, you know? Yeah, we're thrilled to have you. I'm just like so impressed by what I've seen from you and I cannot wait to hear more. Thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like when... When Anna told me about you, she was like, she sent me her Instagram. She's like, just look at what she's doing. And I'm like, okay, wow. Yeah, this is really cool stuff. Like, How can she even put her leg like that? <laughs> lots and lots and lots of practice. How did you find me? I'm curious. Okay. You know, Aubrey Lynch, right? Mm-hmm. He is a cousin of my husband. Oh, cool. Yeah. We interviewed him. He was great. He was our first guest, yeah. our guest of honor. Oh, yeah. First cool. guest on here. Aubrey. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then we just started this podcast and I'm kind of been handling just putting out the new podcasts on Instagram. And then I found you there. I think you might have followed us or something. Mm-hmm. And I, because this is a small account, I like kind of looking at everybody and I was like, whoa, who is this person? Yeah. I was just in awe of everything you're putting out there. Thank you. Obviously, an incredible dancer. Yeah. And so for those listeners who don't already know who you are, can you just tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are, the quick the sizzle reel version? Got it. My name is Courtney Taylor Key. I am a Black American lesbian woman, female ballerina. I'm not self-taught, but I started ballet later than most. But I put together my own curriculum based off of moving to New York after college. And it's not that I do what I want to do, but I want to do what makes me happy. And so it's led me in the direction of freelancing the youest you that you can be, like whatever that means to the person. But like to me, like I just I'm really trying to master that and I want to share it with people. And I specifically want to share it with younger people, like adolescent teenagers that I don't think they should have to reinvent the wheel. Like I feel like in the arts and in life in general, like I just want to spread that through my platform of ballet and social justice and trying to bring people together. And if that's by way of ballet, that's what I really want to do. That's what I want to do. I love that. That makes so much sense. I think that's something we see a lot of people we talk to that a lot of artists are 
people who had to figure things out the hard way. And whether you come from a self-taught background or you were part of growing up with it, like there's so many ways to stumble into mm-hmm. being an artist, right? <laughs> so I'm really curious. You said you you got you moved to New York after college and you got into ballet later. Where what were you doing? What did you study and like what got you interested in dance in the first place? I my sister was actually born pigeon toed. And so my parents put her in for dance class and whatever your older sister did, you did. So I was three when I started. I was actually two and a half, my mother says. And they say, if you're potty trained, you can take the class. So my sister was already taking dance and I was like, I got to get in there. And (laughs) I went to this like small dance studio that's now huge in Charlotte, North Carolina, called McDonald's School of Dance. And I was there till about like seven. It got kind of a competition when you start to compete, like it's not recreational anymore. It gets so expensive and it was two of us. So my mom was like, no. After that, I didn't dance until I got to middle school. That was like eight, seven. I got to middle school. I went to Northwest School of the Arts, sixth through twelfth grade. And then when I got to college, I thought I was never going to dance again. <laughs> so I stopped dancing. And at the time, I was dating this guy, and he said, "You need to be at North Carolina School of the Arts." And so I auditioned for North Carolina School of the Arts. I went to Alvin Ailey over the summer before I went to get ready for that. I hadn't danced in two years. <laughs> And then I went there for four years and I graduated. I had to start over. So I, I was in school for six years. My senior year, I apprenticed with Bill T. Jones, Arnie Van Dance Company in New York. I spent a portion of my senior year in New York. And while I was there, my friends were going to the Dance Theater of Harlem School. And I was like, what is this? It is amazing. It is so regal and so black and so beautiful and so excellent. And I auditioned while I was there and I got into the summer program and I was been doing ballet ever since. (laughs) Wow. I mean, you're clearly very gifted too. I mean, isn't there something that you've trained for, have have this, had this massive training, but isn't there something that you have it kind of, you have a, you know, knack for it or whatever? Very much so. Like, I think it can be taught, but I think it's side tangent, but relevant. A teacher's job to pull out the things that make you you so that you know that you're special, so that you know that you're that you matter. And I think a lot of teachers, they're not bad teachers. They're just not trained in pulling that out of students. You mean like that human aspect of who they are as people? Yeah, right. Because sometimes a student can't add it to their dancing. So that's to me, that's what I call the. That's the it factor for me, where you can, your sauce, like what is your seasoning? And I think I was born with it, but I think sometimes it goes away. And that's why it's hard to dance or be an artist in general, because you don't feel safe. That's, I want to hear a little bit more about that, if, if you can share when it goes away. When it goes away, like as an adult, you forget how to play. And so the more serious you get about dancing, the more you forget that like you used to love this. You, this used to be your thing. Like this used to be your, this is your first love probably. And sometimes when it's not fun, which is what I go back and forth with that as an adult, probably too often than not. But it's nice to have a teacher or a cheerleader outside of yourself, because I think you should do it too, more than anyone to help you get to those things. And my route, I always knew what I wanted, 
And so I was lucky to want to like show people, watch me dance. I love this. It's only been too recent that it's been slightly opposite. Yeah. And you, yeah, you call it luck, faith. You also met the right people. So even if you didn't have anybody who was sending you to the school, you figure it out on your own. It sounds like you found some of the right people for you, for your journey. Yes. Like I just, I, I would see someone and I would be like, I got to know them. I got to know them. I got, I got to get close to them. Like I always reference the notebook. Like, have you seen like yeah. <laughs> Noah was like, I gotta have her. And that is exactly <laughs> how I felt. Like I, the guy I was dating that told me to go to the North Carolina School of the Arts audition was like, you're going to get in. He was like, you're just going to get in. Like, you just got to know you're going to get in. Like, I'm not making this up. You're going to get in. And I was just like, if he thinks I'm going to get in, I'm probably going to get in. And it was like, just what I needed to hear to be like, okay, you might want to, you know what to do. Now you got to train, like get yourself together so that you don't, so that you can get in. Then it was just like, I don't know. Some people just need a little, uh, like, and that I had the, uh, at the right moment, which kept the faith and kept me like, okay, like, Maybe I'm supposed to do this. All the little breadcrumbs, they call them. Yeah. I want to go a little bit back when you said, you know, when you see somebody and you, and you say, like, I got to know them. What do you do about that? I'd love to know oh, how I'm you... Oh, I'm so aggressive. <laughs> I, please um, tell us all artists need to be better at this. So I please just, it to you. I don't like the word no. So, like, I can't say no to myself. So I, I met Cicely Tyson. And although I have no record of it, I saw her at the DTH 50th year gala and I was like, I hadn't seen her all night. I was just like, well, you know, maybe she's just not here. And then I saw her and she had to have been like maybe 10 feet, 12 feet away from me. And I was like, oh, I'm about to just walk over there and say hello. And I was just like, Miss Tyson, I loved you in fried green tomatoes and everything that you've ever done. And she was just like, she grabbed my face and she was like, you are so beautiful. And I was like, oh, you think, but it's moments, I was so glad that I took the risk to go say hi to her. And it was great. Like moments like that. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's great. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. You inspire, inspire other people to do so. Yeah. But anything though, like Bill T. Jones, I got, I went to New York for an audition. I went to audition for his company and I got cut and I was like I don't want to go back to school so I sat in the hallway and I was like I'm just gonna wait until I can until he comes out that door and he everyone came out and people were wondering why I was still in the hallway and I was just like I left something in there I'm gonna wait to go get it and I I looked I mean he he opened the door and I was like can I speak to you for a second and I pressed record on my voice memo on my phone to hear that it was a yes, I was like, I don't want to go back to school. I want to apprentice for you. Can I do that? And he said, if it lines up with your credits, then sure. And I played that for my dean when I got back to school. And she said, you would be an idiot not to go. <laughs> so that was amazing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah, oh, my God. You. It was something. You get this little in your chest. when I don't know. You get, whenever you feel whatever you feel to do. You just got to know it's worth it to get on the other side of fear. Yeah, to get on the other side of fear, exactly. And sometimes that fear, like, it feels like good, bad. 
or bad good. Yes. You know, it's that thing. <laughs> the back of my arms tingle when I know it, it could go either way. It could go either way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In dance class, you have to try and you have to try it. They call it full out, like with feeling. And so like, if you're learning a dance and let's say that you really want to try to feel what dance is like, it's not just the steps. And so if you do the step, like instead of like actually trying to feel, then you won't, you just won't get it. And so you can't like halfway try, you have to do, but it starts with try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but what is your life like today? I mean, are you, you're obviously training all the time. I mean, you're working as a freelance dancer, a, a ballet dancer. Ballet? Yes, I am. I am doing my own curriculum of like taking class at Steps on Broadway and choosing the teacher that I want to take. And then afterwards, I might not rehearse myself because I'm not doing anything. I might, I might just only go to the grocery store that day. I might only work with my trainer that day. I choose to rest post-pandemic, but work smart and not hard. Right now, I'm actually in Kansas City freelancing, working with Jennifer Owen and Owen Cox dancers. So I am fortunate to be working. I at least try to take class every day, not on the weekends, but some sort of exercise to keep me some self-love every day. I don't know. I can randomly go get my nails done. It's not something I do consistently. I could crochet. I crochet a lot. I crochet heavily, actually. Crochet? Wow, uh -huh. really? Yeah. I have, what do you crochet? I, I crochet like ballet skirts, leg warmers, rompers, hats, scarves, infinity scarves, socks. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> is this something you sell or is it for, yeah? I do sell. Your business? Yeah, it's called Key, Key Crochet. Oh, I have okay. an Instagram. It's called, if you type in Key Crochet, I'll, I should be the first one to come up. There's yeah. an underscore in the front. Wow, I'm I'm heading over right after this. <laughs> I need to work on it, but I'll send I'll message you something. Very cool. So speaking of the world of apparel and clothing and stuff, you've worked with some brands. And I was hoping we could talk about what you've done with Lucille Dancewear and the shoe brand Nalebi. These collaborations, are you more like a spokesperson for them? What's that relationship like? It was a collaboration. The lady reached out to me and they saw my Instagram and they, I actually do a lot of my photo shoots for fun. And this was the first photo shoot that I got paid for. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and um, so much fun because I had never done a product shoot before. It came really natural to me. I was able to like talk in front of the camera. Like it was just, it was a fun experience. It was a one-time thing, but I told her if she ever needed anything, I'd love to work with her again. Kind of a similar thing with Lucille, but it, it's an ambassador. You model whatever with the product you have, and then you get 15% off or something like that. I'm not exactly sure, but you get a percentage off. And yeah, you get to help the artist. She's a young dancer. She makes skirts. Yeah, I just wanted to help someone else. That's very cool. And that, that shoe brand, Nalebi, I mean, th those pictures are incredible. I was like, I have to get those shoes. And <laughs> my, it was my birthday recently, and I told my husband, he, he tried to get me a pair, but they were sold out. <gasps> you did so good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's so good. I, you can't even get a pair. That's amazing. You crushed it. Oh, man. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So you do your photo shoots. I mean, they're your photo shoots are stunning. I mean, they're incredible. So you do them for fun. Is your create creative work? Do you have a photographer? Like, how do you get those pictures done? When I initially started, my first photo shoot was actually nude. I just saw these beautiful pictures by his name is Maxine Bukowski, and I was like, I just want to be a part of this project. And so I reached out to him, and I can I? And he said, Sure. And he made this book of portraits of black women, like mothers and and daughters and sisters and people that was by myself. It was just like so much fun. And that's when I knew that I really wanted to do more photography. And I probably didn't get into like looks and stuff so much until I was looking at like everyone else's pictures and like wondering like, I like that. But what's like my thing? And that's kind of what I was referencing to earlier, like what like, what is you? And I have these two personalities that I've kind of developed. Like one is called Kiki Darling. And she's like very doll-like and just she's promiscuous. She's sassy. She's feisty. She's cute. She's <laughs> adorable. <laughs> and so that, you see a lot of her on my page. And then you have King Princess, which is like, I consider myself a monarch like I consider myself a king with a Q but still very dull and pretty and tiny <laughs> yeah like so but King Princess really gets stuff done she she handles very diplomatically King Kiki Darling not so much <laughs> but yeah like those two personalities I kind of developed during COVID so it's kind of like, are there alter egos or they're just a part of you that do you want to shine a light on and, and almost certain, maybe part of you doesn't want to do certain things and then you can have yes. Kiki Darling. I mean, like, yes. yeah, Kiki Darling, do it. Exactly is that. that. Okay. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. They are extensive with me for that's, sure. That's brilliant. I love that. It's just a way for me to have fun. Like I'm here, I have like a photo shoot, two photo shoots while I'm here and I, I was like, well, what, what's so cool about Kansas, Kansas City, sorry. And I found these sunflower farms and I was like, I just want to go out there. And it's not like it hasn't been done before, but it hasn't been done by me. So I want to do it. I love like costumes, like the 50s, uh, the 40s. I love the 70s, like time periods. I'm also like really inspired by my friend, friend slash mentors, Kuanoni Parker and Michael Jackson Jr. Michael has been taking a lot of pictures of both she and I, and they used to, they still, they photograph together the perfect work wife and husband and like brother, sister, mother, son. They have the coolest relationship. And I look at their photography and I I was really inspired by them and me and Michael's friendship brother sisterhood bond got closer and he has just really developed so much with his photography that I just was like can we play can we just play and we both grew from each other like over COVID really 15 months of playing was a lot of fun like and still more to come Oh, wow. No, that's great. And, and, and time well used in this crazy times. I love what you said when you're talking about the, the sunflower farm and you said it's been done, but it hasn't been done by me. And that's something that I think artists could use a little bit more because people, artists often just, they decide not to go forward with something because they feel like everything has been done before. And But there's always a new way 
and everybody's different. It's never been done by you if you haven't done it yourself, you know. There haven't been two of the same snowflakes, I was told when I was little. And that really made me feel special. And I tell it to my kids when I'm teaching. It makes them like light up because they, I mean, it's true though, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's beautiful. So speaking of that sort of thing, you were featured in a New York Times article called Lesbians in Ballet. And obviously, like you said, there have been many people in the world of ballet, but but you are you. And so like, what, what was, what was this article about and what, what's in there? I never thought that that was going to be as big as it was. And I just really wanted to dance with a woman on point. There was a, a queer, the ballet group that began over COVID, like in maybe like September, it started by Lauren Flower and Adriana Pierce. And they both mentioned that they choreographed, but Adriana lived in New York and we're all like, it was like a Zoom call with lesbians in ballet. Actually, I have to say queer women. I apologize. I think like because Adriana lived in New York, I was just like, can we just go in the studio and play? And like, can can, can I dance with a woman on point? I like, took it and told the person her, I don't know if Patricia Delgado is her agent or her public relations person. I should know that, but I don't know her title. But she took it to Guggenheim and then it didn't work out. And then she took it to the Joyce and then the Joyce like took it on and after that like it was happening and they were like guys we want to do a film and I was like this is amazing I never saw that this was going to be like this but now it can live on forever and little queer women that are trying to figure out who they are can see that there's representation for them especially two queer black women and so for it to be in the New York Times was pretty amazing and I just I'm so honored and I'm just glad that there's like record of that a young person can see. That you can do what you want. You, you can, can create your own dreams in your life. Exactly. And you exist and you can call me if you need me. And I live in New York and I'll help you as best I can. It's like community. Yeah. It's like it just needs to be more unity in general. It's so subdivided. Yeah. And that's the world in general, not just dance. So Absolutely. I, I want that for the younger generation. Yeah. Especially now they've been so isolated, but it's been at home. And- yeah. There's some warriors, though. They're figuring it out. I have two students. One is my student, and the other one is another student that is glued together best friends and god sisters. And they are going from one school to like another school right now. And I was like, the school is really expensive. We just weren't, me and the parents were trying to like figure out like, how are we going to do this? Because I used to teach their daughter. I was like, okay, like she's outgrown me. I think she should go here. And they, we just kind of been in each other's lives for like the past six years. And I'm really proud of them because they got a two $6,000 scholarship. So now there's like only $8,000 to raise, raise, which is what I live for. Like That's amazing. And, and the community is lucky to have you. I just want to help. Yeah. So if we... Gonna go a little bit. I was just thinking about you work with a trainer. You said earlier, do you work with a lot of choreographers? Do you have like a favorite one that you work with? My favorite choreographer. Oh man, that's a hard question. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a favorite, but you know, some people you. I really like. I'm, I'm freelance. Not to say that I can't learn rep, but it's tricky. Like I wish I knew more balanced repertoire but I didn't go to SAB or School of American Ballet or in New York City Ballet. 
but I'd like to learn more of that. I'm thinking like, I don't know. Or like, I, I enjoy, I enjoy Adriana Pierce's choreography. I really do. Like, I want to work with her probably forever. She's also a choreographer I feel safe with. Well, that's important. But I don't feel like that with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about that? I just want to talk about it because I think that it's like the thing I said about the teacher. I don't think dance automatically stands on its own. I think it's staying focused. Like teacher and choreographer, I think it's choreographer give me something, I give you something. I think it's like that with the artistic director as well. But also being logical and not always including so much emotional to it. Like it, I, I don't have much experience being in a dance company. I wonder why that's the reason why I'm not in one. Because I am looking for a very specific, maybe not so gingerly, but like kind, but assertive environment that I feel like doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I now yeah. want to create it. You're going to create it. I yeah. would like to. I need to. Own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been recently really, really inspired. I wouldn't say so, like not irritated, but like passionate about figuring out how to make myself not comfortable, but like, what is my thing? Like, what's yeah. my thing? Like, and I think for the younger generation, when you mentioned that earlier, really like spend time with yourself, like spend a lot of time with yourself, like have friends, like spend time with yourself and knowing what you like within the bounds of being respectful to your peers and your parents, who you are, like, even if you don't it's hard to feel like that, like when you don't feel safe. But if you have moments of being with yourself, be present with yourself as a, as a child, as an adolescent, as a teenager, as a young person in college in their freshman and sophomore year to the junior and senior year. Like so that you can just like project and so that you can be what you're supposed to be on earth. Because if you die and don't, follow your purpose that gets to go on the ground with you you don't, we don't yeah. even get to see it and if you don't spend time with yourself you don't know who you are and then you don't know how you operate in the world mm -hmm. you don't know how you are with other with other fellow humans and going back to the fact that you're not in a dance company and and want to create it i mean i i see that <laughs> Looks, it, it just sounds and, and feels like you can do a lot of things you haven't you haven't done yet you haven't yeah. you haven't even reached the surface i have not I have so much <laughs> work to do I think I regained my confidence in COVID seeing myself in pictures I'm just like you look amazing you look so <laughs> good and like working with my trainer stemmed from like seeing the New York City ballet dancers work with Joel Rowdy I was like how can I do that and it's not cheap but I just did not care. Like, I was like, I'm going to take my unemployment and I'm setting this much to the side. And I'm going to figure out how to get it done. And I work with a trainer that works in that gym. And I, and she's amazing. Like, she's wonderful. My dancing has changed. It, it has, like, helped me get out of the rut that I was kind of in. And I mean, dancing in my room. It just takes a lot of work. Starting ballet seriously. 19 but not really starting until you got to dth at 24 and then you quit dth so then you put them back on at 26 it's really hard to go back and yeah. forth like that because you don't know yourself 
Well, you're very gifted if you can do that and, and, and still dance like that. <laughs> Thank well, you. Please keep me posted when you're going to have a show. I just can't wait to see you dance. So I want to go a little bit deeper into this thing you were talking about a couple of minutes ago, which is this advice for, I guess, for, for young people, but for really any of us who are trying to get into a more place of more clarity or authenticity with who we are. How does one go about that? I started looking at people that I really admired. I admire more so the aspect of the business side of Beyonce than her her artistry, not, not, not so much. I mean, I love Beyonce, but yeah. And then, like, I love Selena keeping the upper end. Like, Selena taught herself how to speak Spanish and, like, grew up singing and didn't have a lot of money. And I was just like, she did so much. How did she do that? And that stems, sometimes people are naturally like able to create momentum for themselves. And so then you hear the word momentum and then you go look at like Abraham Hicks, who's like got a podcast about law of attraction and like momentum. And like, you look at the actors that played Selena, like J-Lo, like how is she in life? And if you really follow the breadcrumbs and you listen to the universe and you have the faith or you listen to God, you just have to calm down and you have to listen. But until that, that can't happen until you have the ears to hear. You have to, in whatever way that is for you, calm might be rambunctious for you, but whatever calm is, figuring it out, chilling, taking a moment, take a deep breath, knowing your recipe. I think that's the first step to, or thinking about what your recipe is to venture out and meet people or connecting the dots and the break. Totally. And you, you've talked a lot about like, you know, your, your workouts and like you're working with trainers and taking rest time. Are there any other things that are like part of your sort of like routine that are important or meaningful or just non-negotiable? Like these are the things that I do. No, I mean, like, if I don't take ballet class, I, it's a problem. It, money is, money is so tight. And if I oversleep because I'm partying the night before and I miss ballet class, I'm pissed. I have to make sure that I do it because I'm not old, but I'm older and I got to make sure I'm on top of things so that I can, you know, and it pleases me to be on top of things. Everything else is kind of like free for all. I make sure I have a monthly me day. It's whatever day I choose, but a monthly me day could be, oh, I'm going to go to the ballet or I'm going to do my nails or I'm going to, I don't know, something. Anything that is just, yeah, having a date with your artist self or your yourself. It's so, okay, so training is like you are really taking care of your training. That is not negotiable. That's what you do. And then everything else is sort of. Yeah, I mean, I get my eyebrows done every two weeks. Well, that's, yeah, you, you should be able to do certain <laughs> things for yourself. Yeah. Well, no, I just, I mean, I could ask you about how many hours do you sleep? What do you eat? Like, I'm so oh, curious I about sleep. like. I don't sleep. I, I nap a lot. I'm often known for being the person that falls asleep everywhere we go because I don't sleep. It's kind of scary, but my friends know that I'm actually not bored. I'm just a naturally sedated human. You're one of those people who can't sleep at night? I can't. I don't know what it is. I wake up at between uh, one and three. I'm up every night between one and three, ever since I was little. And then like three, one to four when I was little, only because I remember pop-up videos would come up on VH1. And I'd be like, nah, no, it's 4 a.m. I really need to go to bed. But 
I don't sleep very much. I mean, I'm vegan now since COVID and since having COVID. I got COVID when I went to go visit my parents. And I thought that the best way for me to heal myself outside of quarantining and like listening to the CDC, I started like just really having like an all green diet, no colored vegetables, just all green. And then I did this detox. The lady's name online is Orisha Oshun. I am surviving vegan. Okay. She had like a I am surviving vegan detox challenge. And I was like, all right, I'm doing it. It's a detox, like a 10 day detox, but then she has one that's like free and it's just a grapefruit. It's a grapefruit detox. You just eat grapefruit every day, all day, but you eat it at certain times with a few other things. And I just felt so good that I just, I tried to eat a burger. The burger was delicious. I, I detoxed. 20, 25 days passes after the detox. I try to eat a burger. My body said no. And I was like, I'm really a vegan now. I had already stopped. I haven't eaten dairy for like 12 years, but I was still eating meat. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we don't, we should, we shouldn't be eating a lot of animals. I mean, for climate, what? Yeah. For what? For, like, if yeah. it's better for. There, there's no, I saw like something, somebody posted very simple, but there's no planet V. There's no planet V. There's like, that's it. I love that. That's such a good one. Mm -hmm. There is no planet B. Like, it's kind of, I mean, it's not common sense. Because if it was common sense, it would be common. It's just like, I live on this land. You live on this land. Can we live the land as long as we can? Like, yeah, we should be. Well, this has been such a treat to have you on. I just can't wait to just, I don't know. I'm going to follow your career. And just like have my one eye on you because you're very special, I think, and incredibly talented and kind and amazingly disciplined. Such a treat to have you on. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, so where can people find you online? How do people follow you? Get a, you can get to know what, I, what you're up to. You can follow me at Courtney Taylor Key on Instagram. And I'm trying to develop a project. It's called the Negus Ballerina Project, N-E-G-U-S. Negus means Black Emperor. And as I say, King Princess is a monarch. I just want other little Black and brown girls to feel like kings and queens and princesses. And I wanted to develop into something. So you can follow me on those too. And if you like crocheted things, you can follow me on Key Crochet underscore. I think it's underscore underscore Key Crochet. That's how you know I need, I'm going to get on it today. I'm going to post something today just because. Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll list it in the show notes. Thank you. Well, thank you so much and best of luck with your gig in Kansas City. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Okay, so, oh my God, I just love hanging out with Courtney. She is just such a gift. I just, I adore her. She's just so fabulous. Yeah. Uh, my biggest takeaway, I think, from that conversation was creating alter egos or personas. Oh, my God. Yes. It was a princess, King Princess. And what was the other one? I remember King Princess. Oh, yeah. what was the other one? The I'll have other to listen one, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was just so fun. It was, oh, Kiki Darling. Kiki yeah. Darling. Kiki Darling, who was feisty and sassy. She sounds like a troublemaker. King Princess sounds like somebody you don't want to meet in an alleyway. Yeah, and, and King Princess, she gets shit done. She gets yeah. the stuff done and is diplomatic. And 
I just loved how she designed these two personalities and, and she talked about it being an extension of her. It's a little bit like, do you remember Beyonce, like Sasha Fierce? Yes, I do remember <laughs> Sasha Fierce and her like whole motto. There's this, there's this really funny Instagram yeah. account and maybe we can link to it in the show notes, but basically it's this French guy saying how to say things in French and he'll give you the phrase. And then he says how to say it in bitchy French. <laughs> and it's just like idiomatic <laughs> expressions, but it made me think of like, okay, well, we all wear these masks, right? We all play different roles in our daily lives. So what if we were able to be more intentional with that? I think for actors, maybe it comes naturally to a degree, but you know, for those other types of us who are maybe writers or musicians, we see it a lot in the zeitgeist with, you know, people like Sting or Chardet, Cher, Bono. Writers sometimes will pick a nom de plume like Stephen King has Richard Bachman. But on the whole, like we don't really think a lot about alter egos. Yeah, I mean, I would, disagree on that just because I have so many people living in my head. <laughs> and uh, I've written plays where, you know, dialogue and, and I was an actress. So I have like, I just have people come out, but I think it's just different energy patterns. That's what a lot of my acting teachers spoke about, different energy patterns as we play different. It's just a different side of us. We're not just one person who's like shows up the same every day, right? And I just love that Courtney made, she created names for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really clever. It is. I'm I'm very inspired by it. it it's it's challenged me to think about how I might find the king princess within myself. <laughs> well, we'll stay tuned for that. But I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for this conversation. I loved hanging out with her today. She's a gift. Real treasure. The Artist Inclusive Podcast is brought to you by the Artist Inclusive Facebook group and artistinclusive.com. Learn more about Artist Inclusive at our website or join our free Facebook group. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts and share this message with somebody that you think would enjoy this podcast. This is how you're able to reach more engaged and impactful artists just like you.